welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, the executive director. And in the news this week, um, the FMCSA, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, finally announced that they were going to give a two-year uh, postponement for implementation of the entry-level driver training regulations. This has been widespread discussion in the industry, um, and their announcement came less than one month from the effective date um, after many organizations deliberated and uh, reached out to FMCSA about the February 7th, 2020 implementation date. So the extension will mean that the ELDT regs will be implemented February 7th, but in the year 2022. Um, FMCSA did say that this action with regard to the extension will provide FMCSA additional time to complete development of the trainer provider registry TPR. And that's what we had advised our NSTAA members. So uh, on one hand, it's uh, uh, good news for operators out there. On the other hand, it took a long time to get to this point. So at least we're encouraged. Um, today uh, at the bus stop, we're thankful to have David Zikafus of Hilton Bus with us. So David, welcome to the bus stop. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, we see that uh, you're ex-military member. Why don't you tell the listeners what branch uh, service you, you were in? Well, I, I was in the uh, <clears throat> in the United States Army uh, as an infantry officer. And in in that role as an infantry officer, what what are some of the things that you did do in in service um, for the country? Um, uh, I went to Afghanistan and I helped stand up one of the first Afghan National Army battalions. And then when I went to Iraq, I uh, helped rebuild the Iraqi police force in the. Saladin province, which is about the size of Maryland. So those were probably two of the, the bigger things that I did when I was in the army. It's interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, and how long overall did you serve? Uh, seven years, not including uh, my time at the academy. Yeah. And, um, you know, we thank you for your service and, and, um, you know, those, this must have been kind of defining, um, you know, defining part of your life. Yeah, no, I uh, I find that I tell uh, more uh, army stories than I tell anything else because of uh, well, it just happens in your twenties. I think most people probably tell a lot of stories from when they're in their twenties. Mine just happened to be while I was in the army. Yeah, for sure. Now, after your your stint in the army, um, I understand that you uh, transitioned to biotech. Yep, um, I was lucky enough. After I got out, uh, I got a job working uh, for a large biotech company called. Genentech. And for a number of years, I was helping uh, build some uh, pretty significant cancer medications. Uh, Avast and Rituxan, Herceptin were, were the three primary ones that I worked on. Um, and it was a, a large manufacturing facility. Matter of fact, um, not at the site that I was at, but the sister site that almost looks exactly like the one that I was at. They actually filmed the newer Star Trek movies the engine room actually looked like uh, one of the areas that I'd work on on a regular basis because it was just sort of bleeding edge technology stuff. And I'm sure you took away, you know, numerous experiences, um, you know, from that, you know, aspect of your life. 
Um, and then you made the plunge into, uh, I guess, after that, student transportation? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right. I, I did biotech for, for quite a, a few years there, um, a decade, I guess, which was fun. Um, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I, I also sort of lost a passion. Um, and I wanted to go out and do something else. And the next thing you know, I, I, I bought a school bus company. Um, so let's see if anybody wants to talk about how they got into the school bus business <laughs> that has a, a weirder uh, transition than that one. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting, you know, mentioned that, David, it, that, you know, we hear from all types of folks, uh, as you know, on the, at the bus stop. and it's interesting where people, you know, cut their teeth and um, get experience in, in what fields and how that begins to translate, you know, into uh, student transportation. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of your experiences uh, did lend themselves to um, moving into an entirely different field, school transportation, but you did gain some valuable things from your stint in the Army and with biotech. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, my undergrad was in systems engineering, which helped both when I was in the army and then when I worked in biotech. And in biotech, we had a, a large production facility that we're working on. So we we talked about operational excellence a lot and and sigma and and, and creating flow, um, which is one of the things that we're I'm trying to add uh, to the company that we have here at Hilton, um, trying to trying to streamline operations a bit more. Um, and sort of one of the reasons why we're talking right now is one of the first things that we we went after was maintenance, which we're still working on, but trying to streamline that flow um, on how we do maintenance on the vehicles. Yeah, and you know one of the things that you know we're fortunate to come in contact with you because you are an NSTA member and you're fairly new in your third year. Um, you know how has that experience with NSTA you know helped you? You know, transition into student transportation. I think it's been great being a part of the NSDA. I sort of look at it like a uh, a jolt of steroids, I guess, in, in learning <laughs> operations. Um, being able to go to the meetings and talk to a lot of people that have been in the industry for a number of years and pick their brain a little bit, or even having a phone call with them um, after the meetings, um, it sort of increases. Uh, the amount of knowledge I have, um, you know, and the, there's a, I forget what the saying, um, what the saying is, but there's a, a diff, diffusion of uh, innovation. And I think that having the NSK sort of is that, right? When somebody is doing something well and somebody, and, and correctly, and it's successful for them, it sort of spreads um, quickly when you go to an NSTA meeting, right? You hear about it, people are talking about you want to talk to them or you know or maybe you're sharing that information so i think it really helps with that that diffusion of uh, of innovation you know and speaking of which you know in terms of you know when when folks enter you know new fields there's always you know somewhat of a learning curve what do you think you know was your biggest you know moving from biotech into student transportation the biggest learning curve or the thing that you didn't expect? Wow. Uh, hopefully I don't sound horrible when I say this. It's, it's customer <laughs> service, right? It's it's dealing with, I think the parents are probably the harder part of this. 
right? You think about just being able to keep the buses on time and and safe, but just so many interactions that end up occurring with the parents, um, whether they're going straight to the school district and the school district then wants wants to talk to us or, you know, on occasion where they come directly to the, the, the company and talk, it's um, that that provides a, a different dimension than I had to deal with when I was in the army or or in biotech, right? You, you don't get a chance to to talk to the customer on a regular basis. Um, and while, you know, there, there's some rough meetings and I, I think sadly, one of the things, and this is probably true for all contractors in most industries, you really only hear from, from your customers when things are going wrong. Very rarely do you hear from them when, um, when it's going right, when it went seamlessly. And I think that's, uh, that's sort of hard on a, on an ego, right? You, you get sort of, you, you think everything's broken on a right, uh, on a regular basis, even though. 95, 98% of the time it's going right. Yeah. And, and I'm sure so many folks who are listening can empathize, you know, with those sentiments. Um, and, and then, you know, morphing into, you did a presentation, you know, at the midwinter meeting on fleet maintenance, which is, you know, more probably in line with what you envisioned when you were, you know, um, going to operate a, a school bus company. Um, you know, more the kind of um, uh, interworkings of a, um, you know, a school bus company rather than the, at this point, the parent parental management that you were talking about. But tell, sure. do tell the listeners about the fleet maintenance panel and, um, you know, a short synopsis on your presentation and what your takeaways were. So I'm, I'm, I'm part of uh, one of the committees on the NSGA and we talked about what to present. And we talked about fleet maintenance and bringing a little bit of innovation to it. So the other two presenters on there had products, uh, uh, Tyler Technologies and, and Fleetio, um, on how to start bringing a lot of the information off the bus um, into the hands of the mechanic or the, the owner or the, the, the maintenance manager, whatever, whatever you want to call it. My part of it was really just talking about uh, what I was doing on the side of an owner. Right. And how I was taking advantage of it. Um, I'd say my the biggest thing in the presentation of the takeaways, you, you have to understand what your maintenance system is. Right. And to, to understand where the weaknesses are in that system and this and if technology can help help you overcome it. Um, ours, you know, at, at Hilton, um, what we found was a lot of times it had to do with the speed at which the, the driver was communicating an issue with the bus um, or the mileage on the bus, right? We're depending on a very manual system to do it versus we can just drop these pieces of equipment on the bus almost, you know, seamlessly. In an afternoon, we can put most of the equipment on the bus. Um, and now we know when there's an engine fault on the bus or when what the mileage is or the the number of hours an engine's been running, and then my maintenance team can take it over from there. They'll know exactly when it happens or or when it's coming up versus sort of the depending on that that lead time of having however many bus drivers out there and the variance of what they do, or they happen to forget when they, they came back to the, the yard that they had an engine monitor problem or the engine fault light showed up or they, they didn't report their mileage at the end of the day. Um, and so 
we looked at that as just sort of really easy wins that we could take care of with technology. Um, so that's what we went with. Um, and that was sort of the main aspect of the presentation um, that I gave. But that big takeaway is before you implement anything, you really have to understand your own maintenance system um, and what you want to try to solve in that maintenance system. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, now, you know, I guess as a result of some of the challenges you had internally with fleet maintenance, you actually built your own system. Um, that's true in, in some extent, um, right? Built my own system. That's it's hard to say. I, I have, we hire a company outside that provides us with the equipment, um, the equipment that we can put into the buses and then we pay for that data plan that goes out. Uh, we receive um, we receive pretty much a raw feed of information coming off of the equipment. Um, it's what I wanted, like I said, my undergrads in systems engineering, I'm not sure if that's appropriate for everybody out there to do it, but I like looking at the data. I like being able to put that type of stuff together. Um, so it helps me with a decision on on what to do for analysis or in the future if there's something more. You know, and, and I look at other out-of-the-box stuff um, and it just wasn't necessarily as customizable as I wanted it to be. Not that it was bad. It's actually really good at the equipment they have out there. I just wanted something a little bit more that made a lot more sense for our organization. Um, and that's why that's why we quote unquote built it. Um, but we're still paying a company out there for the equipment and for the data. Um, and then we're just uh, and then we're we're receiving the raw feed of information off it maybe. So I don't know if that answered your question appropriately. No, absolutely did. Um... One final thought, um, you know, as somebody who's transitioned from a couple different uh, very unique areas into school transportation, you know, what's your overall view of school transportation, especially now and then moving into the future? What are the things that David Dickafoos is looking at to say, hey, I want to stay ahead of the curve? Uh, um, trying to stay ahead of the curve. So I think there's a lot to be said about um the clean energy, right? Um, you know, I was looking at the other day and I was, I, I, we work out here in Delaware, that's where the company is um, and having conversations. But if you, if you really think about school buses, right, it's the most effective forms of mass transportation in the United States. Now, you know, in some large cities, you might have a subway system that does a better job, but overall we're mass transportation. Um, right. And with that, trying to understand some of the aspects of, of efficiency, right? So looking at alternative fuels and seeing if we can keep up on maintenance uh, and what's coming around the corner, um, being able to work with the school districts to make sure that we're um, providing the right service. But here in Delaware, we're I'm now having or trying to start conversations with the Department of Transportation in general, um, because the school bus really impacts traffic patterns. Um, and what are the things between the Department of Education, Department of Transportation, 
um, whatever the equivalent of the equivalent of the EPA is in your state and sort of putting all those pieces together with the school bus. Um, Cause all of them have a say in, in what we do at the end of the day. Um, and if you're not a part of the conversation, they're just going to tell you to do something, tell you to do something. And then all of a sudden you'll have to re just react to those problems that, that are caused with it. So it, it's hard to say, right. Looking out in the future um, on the stuff that I think about or work with, but I think trying to make sure that I'm a part of the conversation of all the different pieces out there and understanding what they're thinking um, and trying to make sure that I'm ahead of whatever they're thinking, or at least I have a part of the conversation um, on when they try to put something in place. Once again, I, I hope I answered the question. And, and no, I, 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 no, I think that I actually think that was a great answer. Um, and you've given us a lot of food for thought on, on this podcast. Um, you know, in case some listeners out there might want to contact you, David, you know, where can they find you? Um, so they can just email me at uh, david at hiltonbus.com. Um, that's uh, H-I-L-T-O-N-B-U-S.com. Um, yeah, and if, they, if anybody that is listening to the podcast wants to talk or chat, I'm, I'm always happy to talk and chat. My, my wife tells me, I like to talk way too much. So um, <laughs> take a little pressure off of her on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, hey, David, you've been a great uh, guest. Once again, David Zikafoos, Hilton Bus Company out of Delaware. Thanks so much for presenting at the Midwinter Meeting. And then also thank you so much for joining us at the bus stop. Thanks, sir.